Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 86 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Colin Phoenix to Fireford, and joining me in the orange sidewinder for this episode is Commander Ben Moss Woodward, Head of Health and Safety. You wouldn't believe it, would you? But you're sounding very enthusiastic this evening, Colin. Have you have you been on the on the Pro Plus or something? I have beer. <laughs> I'm jealous. And also joining us is uh, head of Station Entertainment, Mr. Chris Jarvis. Hello. You wouldn't believe I was uh, streaming stuff for twelve hours on Sunday, uh, and having come back to it, I still have absolutely no idea which windows I need open or what I'm doing. So, so bear with me on the tech this evening. You've probably still got a logo up on Twitch that says stream begins shortly, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> Let me take that off. There we go. That's, that, that's what we want. Nice and professional, <laughs> nice and smooth. <laughs> and joining us tonight, Station Commander himself. Everyone stand up and salute. Station Commander Alan Stroud. Slash salute. Hi, folks. Hopefully no one poked themselves in the eye then, did they? <laughs> No, no, no. Okay, good, good. I'm okay, a, no injuries. No injuries. No injuries for Ben to deal with. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out at Lave Station. Well, actually, are we hanging out in Lave Station? Uh, I don't think anybody's. I am that at Lave Station in open. I'm there. I'm there. I'm here with Commander Distinction as we speak. Excellent. So we are hanging out outside Lave Station. You can join us in the private group Fuzzer, where you should see us, and in the no, we're in open. Chat. We're in open, what? not in fuzzer. Okay, we're in, we're in open, open, we're not in fuzzer. And in the IRC chat, hashtag Lave Radio on QuakeNet, and you can access that through the Lave Radio page. Uh, you can tweet us at Lave Radio through the show, and we'll try and answer any questions as we go through. So, um, we'll come to Mr. Jarvis last, because I think you've had an awful lot to talk about. But, Alan, since you've not been on for a while, what have you been up to lately? kind of don't think I've stopped really. I've not been very well for a couple of weeks, which hasn't hasn't helped stuff. Um, uh, the main thing at the moment, I mean, we did, um, Karen and I went to FantasyCon a couple of weeks ago. And subsequently from that, uh, I'm now the, uh, the the editor of the, the British Fantasy Society Journal, um, which is a, a non-fiction publication. So we're, we're doing sort of critical uh, essays and stuff on fantasy, which uh, I'm currently in the middle of pulling together um, issues, issue 15. And Karen's now their national events coordinator, so she's putting together some social events over the, over the year. So really looking forward to being able to, um, to get a couple of our, um, couple of the, the British Fantasy Society social events in London sorted out that maybe we can, you know, cross-pollinate a little bit. So a few British Fantasy Society members go and take a look and go, what is this elite dangerous thing? And a few elite dangerous people go, what is this British fantasy society thing? Which would be really nice, you know, to kind of see. Um, we've also had Chaos Reborn launch, which was, was great. And um, my my fictions in that, which was, was lovely. It was really cool to, you know, to get that off the ground and, um, and get that, that all sort of moving forward, which is... Uh, brilliant and uh yeah you know just teaching people really you know a lot of teaching a lot of teaching i had um gavin smith um one half of gavin Diaz, uh author of elite dangerous 
uh, novel Wanted, Elite Wanted, uh, came in taught a masterclass to my students last week, which was really good. I must admit that the, the Wanted book surprised me because I thought it was just going to be a, a straightforward hunter, hunter prey, but it had a nice little twist in it, that one. Yeah, it's heat in space. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that is, that is how they pitched it and kind of that is, you know, it's heat in space. Uh, okay, um, Mr. Moss Woodward, what have you been up to? I've been flying a wingman for a Mr. Jarvis. Um, I've also been doing various community goals. Um, not entirely sure what's going to come of this, but apparently we were celebrating the 5th of November with the Guy Fawkes things and giving some innocent innocent people just wanting to make fireworks some explosives and nothing at all to do with any any conferences or things like that that are coming up near Seoul in the near future. I'm sure of it. You know, there obviously it's only about fireworks. Yes, you, you're not um, wanting also, anything to go. You don't want anything to go boom in any way, then. Oh, only only in an enthusiastic and exciting boom, <laughs> oh, like fireworks. Um, and I've also been helping the Imperials out a little bit with the destroy the Ko- uh, Kawatomi Syndicate thing. Although that's not doing so well, actually. It's only on stage three, and we've only got a couple of days left, which for a pew-pew community goal seems to have been... doesn't seem to be doing that great, because they usually they usually vanish. Yeah, they normally vanish within 48 that, hours, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of doing that um, one myself at some point, but I've just got to... I've, I've got to get the time to do it. Well, you, you've only got one day and 19 hours left. Mm. Well, it all depends on what's what we will discuss later tonight. I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Mister Jarvis, now let's be honest here. You've been quite busy. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So on Sunday we did the. Sorry, people watching me on Twitch are just seeing me uh, trying to move Lave Radio logos around. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sunday we did the the twelve hour celebration uh, and fundraiser for uh, Escape Velocity, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and thank you to to absolutely everybody who joined us for that um, stream, um, for people who tweeted about it, and for the, for people who um, uh, backed Escape Velocity that day. Really exciting. Um, you guys, the whole elite community, really massively exceeded my expectations um, for for where we would get to on that stream. I started off thinking that we would get hopefully get some people on board. Um, you know, over the course of the 12 hour stream. Uh, and I was thinking that we'd maybe get to sort of maybe 50%. I was hoping sort of 75% of the way funded to the first milestone. And the first milestone was to have enough of a budget that I could really feel that, that Escape Velocity could come back. Um, I think we hit the first tier after about half an hour. Um, and by about, I can't remember exactly when it was, but by about four o'clock, which was sort of four hours into the into the stream, um, I was having to think up new milestone tiers to add because you guys were just absolutely smashing through them, um, which was just completely overwhelming for me. I mean, the, the Chaos Reborn Kickstarter, um, which I have to say, tinyurl.com forward slash chaos audio. Um, the Chaos Reborn Kickstarter went really well. And obviously, you know, we got funded for episode one after eight days. We're still looking to hit those stretch goals and get those up. So if you haven't backed the Chaos Reborn stuff, um, I'll, I'll talk about that again a bit later, but but please do that. Um, but yeah, just 
completely blew me away so um what we need to look at for you know if people have made some comments about what they're now expecting to see obviously as a result of that there are things i need to point out about how patreon works it is different to kickstarter um people the amount that people have pledged is theoretically an amount per episode um and there are there are definitely some pledges in there that i'm expecting to disappear after episode one part of me sincerely hopes they disappear because there's there's 50 dollar and 100 dollar pledge tiers in there that have been taken and i am really not expecting people to pledge to support escape velocity at like 100 dollars per episode um those those tiers really are designed as like one-offs so the idea is that someone would back those as like a kind of one-off thing and then then kind of back down to a more sensible supporting level um so we have uh, edged over the top tier which is the the amount for kind of original artwork um and hopefully with that amount that's there i should be able to commission some new art but obviously it's people are sort of saying oh great does that mean we're going to get like a new piece of artwork for every episode um yes uh, but obviously only if we stay up at that funding level. So if we have that initial funding level for episode one, and then when those big pledge tiers disappear, we drop back down, you may find that some of those milestones come and go. I'm prepared for that. You know, I'm not expecting people to be pledging me $100 per episode. Um, but, you know, just 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 bear in mind that it's not like Kickstarter that, that that amount will go up and down and i'm expecting it to do that and i won't be un, i won't be unhappy if people are supporting at a level uh, and then drop down a bit but um uh, but yeah there we are thank you guys so much um there's a i won't i won't go through it all again but there is a huge thank you post uh, on facebook on lave radio and on my website radiotheaterworkshop.com there's a whole load of people who made sunday absolutely fantastic um not least um zach antonacci from frontier who came onto the stream uh, right at the beginning at 12 o'clock and sat with me and chatted and talked horizons and um uh, planet coaster but uh, yeah there we are thank you all very much and i hope you guys enjoyed it oh, speaking jo- about the funding chris yep you know, okay, yeah, sure, it's awesome. You've got 700 odd pounds at the moment, but dollars. I just did, I had a quick look at, sorry, dollars, yes, dollars. I did have a quick look at the funding levels of, say, people at, say, what I would consider a more sustainable amount of $13 and less. And even then, you're, you, uh, this morning, you're hovering at about $460 an episode. Which I think is that's still very respectable, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, it is quite doable. I'm assuming no, no, no. Those, those it it absolutely is. It absolutely is. It's just not quite that that art supporting level. And I do want to make sure that and I need yeah. to. I haven't had a working day yet because um, I've been looking after my daughter. But um, I, we we have hit the level for those USB cards, and I do want to introduce support tiers for people that would like USB cards with the series on it. And I think my priority needs to be making sure that those physical rewards that maybe people can sign up for i need to make sure those are sustainable so that i don't end up in a situation where actually the the budget for the the usb cards has disappeared um but yeah i need to i need to sit down and work out a robust a robust budget largely because um like i say people just massively surpassed my expectations i wasn't expecting to be there so mm. quickly and i will just say for twitch uh, this is where we left the, the the system that you can see there uh, this is where we left the escape velocity tour of locations on sunday um this is semi s3 which we have decided is uh, donaldson from frontier this is the planet in the system that is most like donaldson so somewhere on that rocky world I'm hoping to see with Horizons there should be a uh, starport called Anderton's Camp. Otherwise, I'd be very disappointed. 
Anyway, sorry. I've taken up enough of your time. So just okay. to go back to um, the, the thing about funding, Chris, um, uh, just to give a, a bit of a comparison, I think um, Tea and Jeopardy, which is uh, the Hugo Award-winning podcast run by Emma Newman, um, I took a, a look at, at their setup, and they actually, Emma, came to a talk that Kate Russell and I did at Nine Worlds in 2014 on crowdfunding, and we were obviously talking about Kickstarter and Elite, and she spoke about Patreon then. Um, and what was interesting there is she was just sort of setting that up and obviously, you know, they've then gone on, become very, very successful and won, won a Hugo related to the, you know, the, the episodes that they do. But the key thing with what they've done is they've, you know, they've, they've fluctuated relating to the funding. And if you look at theirs, um, they're getting about $520 a month and they've got a few more backers. They've got a hundred or so. So obviously the tiering is a little bit lower. Um, I think the key thing is that this this thing about how many episodes you're going to produce because you've done it per episode. So h- how frequent those episodes are is probably going to. You know, I mean, it's up to you, obviously, how you manage this. But if it was me, I'd probably have a dialogue with the with the backers and talk to the backers about that. Yeah. Um, because yeah. then, obviously, you can negotiate your funding related to you know how the content's produced and what sort of, uh, you know, how it's produced in stages and so on and so forth, and what constitutes an episode even, because, you know, a trailer might uh, might go first, or you might release a half and then a half. I don't know, you know, there's lots of things. I mean, it, it depends on what you've, uh, what you've worked out. But, yeah, I, I, I do think certainly uh, Patreon ha- or Patreon has this very different system to Kickstarter, and, of course, it is about us kind of finding our way uh, yeah. in terms of how that works, and... And I say our way because, of course, I'm hoping you're going to get me to write some music for you. Yeah, well, you know, I have to hear you pitch for it. No, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, the uh, uh, I think I can I can hum a tune. Yeah, be all right. <laughs> no, yeah, be, be right. <laughs> I think that's right. No, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that we, you know, we do need to look very carefully about the how episodes. I, I know what I would like the release schedule for episodes to be, but in terms of funding, as you say, I mean, I was sort of talking to Colin earlier, and you know, I didn't want to do a. Um, I didn't want to do a monthly campaign. Um, and actually, so then there is a possibility that um, with Patreon, I could be taking money for an episode and then taking money for an episode again twice in a month because I would like to do fortnightly releases for Escape Velocity. And someone in the Twitch chat has said they would like fortnightly episodes um, for Escape Velocity. I, I'd like to find a way of making that work. I don't really want uh, Escape Velocity to be a monthly release. I think that's that's too long sure. for the kind of momentum of the story that, that I want to tell. I'll have a think. There might be a way of doing it, because one of the things I was saying on the stream on Sunday is that it would be really helpful for me if I could take one lot of payment up front, because then that's the money to actually make the episode. And, and as I said, there are certain pledge tiers in... Um, uh, in the Patreon, which actually it makes sense to do the money in advance because there's things in there about having like a player group advert. Well, if I take your money up front, then obviously we can do your player group advert and that can go on the beginning of Series 3, Episode 1. Uh, and there are things like, there are pledge tiers, you know, where part part of the reward is having your name in the audio credits. Well, if your name's going to be in the audio credits, then then we kind of need to, to, to assume, we need to validate your reward 
before those things then go in. So then it becomes a bit more like Kickstarter, whereby we take the money and then use that money to go away and make the series, rather than uh, actually producing an episode up front and then kind of taking the money afterwards. And what it would mean is that producing the series, after that, we could potentially always be one episode in hand. So we take some money up front to make episode one. Then when episode one's released, we take the money to make episode two. And it kind of then then leapfrogs like that. Um, and it would sure. give us a certain amount of protection for the production of the series. That if, you know, if it goes the way of Heroes, I'm, I'm saying this is a terrible thing to say, but if it, you know, if, if for some reason Escape Velocity got to the point where people just didn't love it anymore and stopped supporting it, uh, then it would... Um, then it would give us a way of kind of always knowing, you know, what support is there to continue making the series. I kind of say that sure. a bit tongue in cheek. I'm hoping Escape Velocity is going to be excellent and continue to be excellent. Um, sure, but I, I think I think the important thing is obviously that conversation. Um, probably good to have a conversation with your backers related to that. Yeah, and you know, and that's that's you know that's just. Uh, with these crowdsource funding things, it is always a good idea that you're you're chatting to your backers when um, when you've got the opportunity to to chat to your backers about how how things work. And you know, I mean, communication has always been the no matter which crowdfunding model you use, communication is always the one that the the thing that people value, particularly if you know if something's not quite going the way you want it to go, and so on and so forth. As long as you're you're talking to people, I think uh, I think they value it. Okay, well, I'll I'll just interrupt that. Um... I think it's time to move on to our main uh, section today. Now, as per usual, Frontier have basically dropped a, a bombshell. So half an hour before this show started, um, Zach and Sandy were on uh, the live YouTube uh, showing Ed. one point. Well, okay, Zach, Zach and Ed. Oh, no, Ed and Sandy. Live. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is he finished yet? <laughs> I'll finish when you get it right. Do you you want me to do this, Colin? Are you all right? No, I am fine. Thank you very much for asking. Can can you get the names right then, please? No, I think I'll start getting them all wrong in the first place now. (laughs) Ed and Sandy did a live stream showing the new ships coming in 1.5. So we've had half an hour to digest uh, digest the new... Stats, the new ships, and uh, let's just kick it off. Um, ben, you were with me all the way through this. What did you think to all the different ships then? Excited? All of them. All of them. Oh wow! Um, right. Just, Ash, just I give love, me a- Cobra. I love Viper. I love Kilback. I love um, Fed Corvette. I love Imperial Cut. Looks like a dildo. Right. Okay. Nice. Uh, <laughs> just a general impression of the the quality of the ships that you you've uh, that you saw. I mean, you, did you think that they they were up to the usual standard? I think. I mean, we're seeing a lot more of what Frontier has been doing of late, where we're getting evolutions of ship designs rather than new ship designs. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I really did like the look of the Asp Scout. I really. The the Cobra Mark Four, it's kind of close to guys, the. Would you guys like me to play the Frontier videos over the Twitch while we're talking about each ship? So if you take them in, if you take them in order, I can give people a point of reference. Play, okay, uh, play them. Just no, just, just play them in a loop or something <laughs> if you can. 
Yeah. Um, no, I, mean, we're, 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 <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to do is I was just going to take you, take everyone through a general impressions of the ships and then uh, we'll all go into, into detail into each individual ship. So basically, you, Ben, your impression of the ships were uh, good. I like them all. I think they're all nice. I'm not convinced which of them I'll actually buy in the main game, but they all seem to have a place and that's a good thing. Okay. Alan, what was your impression? Uh, yeah, they were all very good. It was nice to, to see more of the, the ASP and to see a variant. Um, I think it's it's tricky for me in that I kind of I kind of look at this as... Um, the ships don't interest me as much in terms of that reveal. And I recognise that the ships and the collectibles were the... You know the two things that um, that were the the main focuses. But I was probably paying a bit more attention to very specific answers that, that Sandy gave uh, relating to to content that was to come, and some of the very insightful questions uh, that the the backers and uh, and other listeners gave. Um, I think specifically, one thing I would say, just as a general point, and this this is my general observation of the whole stream. If you make a comparison between it and the citizen con stream at uh prior to or during the the manchester citizen con there was a lot of conversation at times about star citizen being very open development and actually you you got the sense from exactly how ed pitched the questions to sandy that this is a very different kind of open development in that it feels much more honest in that the questions were less pre-prepared. You know, he had a list that voted, but they were less pre-prepared, and he gave the caveat that, you know, if you don't want to answer this, don't answer it. Or if you can't answer it, just say you can't answer it. Which is an awful... Yeah, that's a stage further in terms of open development than, you know, than, than the way in which sometimes Star Citizen's lauded for being open development by certain people. Um, that, you know, th- there's just no comparison in that regard because obviously th- there is a way of presenting where we are and the honest information, but at the same time you're presenting the information you want to present. But there's also there's a way of being a little bit more off the cuff. I really, really thought Ed did a fantastic job. Yeah, I must I must admit, Ed um, has been doing a fantastic job with his streams lately. Um, I especially think that the Q&A, which we'll come on to with David Braben last week, was especially good. Uh, but uh, Chris, what was your opinion? Don't confuse me. I'm playing videos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you better look at them up close then. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back. I'll, sorry, apologies for the people on uh, Twitch. I'm going to go back through these in order. So we've got the uh, the Imperial Cutter. Imperial Cutter looks. I think. I don't think there's a. Uh, sorry, it's going to sound really negative. I don't think there's a lot of surprises with the Imperial Cutter. I think for everyone who's seen the sort of design aesthetic of the Imperial Cutter, it sort of looks a little bit like everyone would be expecting the Imperial Cutter to look. Um, <laughs> people in Twitch are saying that the uh, that the Imperial Cutter is very reminiscent of the White Star from Babylon Five. I don't think that's an unfair comparison. I think it's uh, I think it's a beastie looking, very modernist very like high-tech looking ship i mean if, if there were any ships in elite dangerous that looked like they were built with elite with their alien tech the the imperial ones definitely do uh and i think you know i think it's i think it's a thing of beauty um i would probably if i got one of those i would probably end up calling it like the heart of gold or something like that 
what, what, what do you reckon? Well, let's let's uh, all focus on each of the individual ships now. I think. Okay. Um, shall we have a look at the Asp Scout? Okay, you want to have a look at the Asp Scout? I can do that. So yes. I'm just in order to play these videos, I'm just having to just sort of share a desktop here. So um, <laughs> apologies, you'll be getting pop-ups from Skype. You'll be getting all kinds of Windows notifications. Yeah, Asp Scout. Um, it's, do you know what? It, do you know what occurred to me about it? Because it looks kind of small and kind of compact down from the obviously Asp Explorer. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if it's the lighting, um, but it looks a bit like it's. I think it's just a shadow because the way it's lit, it looks like it's only the top half of an Asp. It looks like someone's just sliced the bottom off it. <laughs> but I, th- I think there is. I think let's just replay that. I think there is more to it than that. Um, but it's a nice ship. I, I, you know, I've not really been up close and personal with an asp in a while. I like how kind of much the cockpit protrudes out the front of the ship. But I think that's yes. a signature design for the asp. It seems to have a couple of little extra wing foils uh, on the side of the ship. I'm not sure if those will help with atmospheric landing down the line. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, just to go over the basic statistics on this one, we know that it's uh, thinner than the, the the standard ASP, stripped down, lighter, more affordable, uh, still has a massive or great jump range, uh, but less guns. We've only got two medium and two small instead of two medium and four small, more manoeuvrable, and we do know it's cheaper than the ASP Explorer, somewhere uh, somewhere beyond a Cobra, but less than, say, a Diamondback. Well, we yeah. don't even know that yet, but we know it's more expensive than a Cobra. So, yeah. I mean, Ben, what would you be doing this one with? What would I be doing this one with? Do you mean yes. what would I be doing with this? That could be that. Um, that could be that as well. Who would you be um, doing with this one? Yeah, if... if <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not going to go there. Yes, don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess even if I was starting exploring, then I'd be very interested in both this one or the Diamondback Scout. I'd have to know more about them. I really do love my Asp. Um, yeah, I think the the Asp the Asp Explorer is a great ship, and I, I've held on to mine purely because it is such a beast. Now, obviously, the Scout isn't going to be that. But maybe it could be a nice long-range fighter, as well as an explorer. Well, if, if maybe. it's more manoeuvrable than the the asp itself, I mean, the asp can hold its own against the cobra. So you know, exactly. if it's more manoeuvrable, it certainly f- looks as if it will be a a better, maybe even same, better fighter than a cobra. It's the same same guns as a cobra as well. Too medium, too small. Mm. We've yet to see where they, they actually protrude from. I'm, assume, I'm assuming that there's under the cockpit and, and kind of shoulder cannons, if you see what I mean. Maybe, but we don't know. I think we did yeah. see some just either side of the cockpit, didn't we? Yeah, because that's... that's yeah, I'm just, I'm just winding this thing. In fact, actually, now I've stopped the video, you can see that it says hard point on the hull. <laughs> I don't hey. know if that's... I don't, <laughs> do you know what? I don't know if that's like a development thing um, and that maybe that's not meant to be... No, now. it's not... <laughs> our current ship, our current skins have that as well. Oh, okay, yeah. that's cool. If you look at so, a lot of the yeah. skins, they, they've got all this kind of thing. Yeah. So you can see there's at least one here that's to the right of the cockpit and just slightly behind. Uh, and then there's, if I just play it forward a little bit, there's a, there's a matching one on the other side. So that's at least two. Um, yeah. In, in the in the standard ASP, those would be the medium hard points. Those are medium, so, are they? 
Well, they, they are on the standard, and underneath the cockpit, they would be too small, I suppose. Yeah. They're about fifty percent bigger than the pilot, um, <laughs> so I don't know if that's like a point of reference. Um, what, can we see any others around as it's rotating? Is there something? No, I, if 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 it was in the uh, if it was anything like the 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 proper Explorer, the guns the other are chin mounted. If you see what I mean, so they'd yeah, be under yeah, the cockpit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I certainly can't so. see anything uh, immediately, but it, it, it's very much lit from the top, so. There could be that might be deliberate. There could be some surprises under there. Maybe there's mm. one like massive hard point uh, under the um, under the asp. So yeah, yeah. Alan, <laughs> any opinions? Um, I like the ship. I, I do like the the asp in in any variant. Um, I am a little concerned that we are seeing a lot of variants mm. um, in our complement. It would be nice to see more original new designs um i i think this is pretty uh, i think it's it's you know a little bit perhaps a little bit more utilitarian um in terms of my own gameplay yeah i'm flying a cobra still so you know a lot of these things are uh, out of my price range i did look at a diamondback for a little bit um the scout might make the asp an affordable jump for me for you know for a little while um but you know that, that, that's kind of not really my, um, you know, my take here. I, I know I've got a lot of hours of elite play because I don't get a lot of time to, you know, to play it generally. But um, I think I think the key thing here for me is that, yeah, it's a pretty ship. Um, it's a variation, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, you know. So I mean, does anyone have the opinion that it'll keep the old schoolers, the old eighty fourers, as we're as we're all now begun to know? Uh, happy because it looks so similar to the original. So it looks a bit game. like a it looks looks a bit like a pair of Y fronts. Is that what you're saying? Um, as you say, the <laughs> geometry is quite close. <laughs> well, they need they need they need to sort of highlight the lines. You know, <laughs> if you highlight the lines, then it will look a bit more like a um, uh, a pair of Y fronts. Well, all they need is a skin, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so yeah. they'll do it. Do Maybe they'll we do can ask for a Y front pack. Yeah, <laughs> a Y front pack. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those of you watching okay. Twitch, I'm going to hightail it back to Lave as quickly as I can. It's 16 jumps for me, and that will include a refuel. So I'm on my Ooh. way. <laughs> Good luck. In the meantime, <laughs> the Cobra Mark IV. Who would like oh. to discuss this? Do you know what? I need to share this video really carefully because I'll probably plow into a sun if I do it wrong. Uh, give me a second. <laughs> Let me, let me just come out of Super Cruise and I'll share this video. You guys carry on. Okay. Well, I mean, my initial impression of this, it, 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 was, it looked big, it looked, it looked meaty, and I must admit I was quite impressed with the hard points that came out. So just in summary, we know it's got uh, better gun positions, which are more central. And they're all on top, so we've got five hard points for this one. Uh, it looks like two medium and three small. Um, tougher than the Cobra, Cobra, but not as fast nor manoeuvrable. But it does have go-faster fins. Okay, Ben, you're up first. What's your impression? I, I can definitely see myself trading my Cobra in for a Mark IV. Um, I do use my Cobra a lot for fighting and things like that. It's not my main fighting ship, but I, I've used it before. And if my skins carry over, um, then I would definitely consider the Mark IV over the Mark III. 
Mm-hmm. I should just say, I mean, at this point, just just because that point's come up on the um, the, the the video, the uh, the Cobra Mark IV looks like it got a hell of a lot of firepower. I mean, there's one point in this video. Let me uh, oh yeah, let me zoom let me zoom up to it. There's one point here where they've got five weapons mounted and they're firing them all simultaneously. I personally would not want to be on the end of that barrage of fire. I don't care what hard points those are. That's a lot of that's you know that's a lot of firepower. Um, and uh, sorry, I'm completely muffing up playing this video. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it'll be really interesting to see what the power plant options are to back up that firepower and just how much power you can put behind those guns. Mm, I do think I can. I can. I can think of one weakness. It's got nothing on the, on the bottom. So effectively, um, turrets, you won't have anything to protect you if you put turrets on it on the bottom. So yes, but potential as, as they said, 90% of the time you pull up into a fight, you're not pulling down. Because yes. you know, the way you're looking, you can't really look below you. Even in the Lacon um, cockpits where you do have that glass bottom, you still don't really look below you so much. Um, I should also point out, actually, that Frontier have said that we're going to get our skins carried over to the alternatives. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, they said it for the Imperial Eagle. But we've got no skins at all on the Imperial Eagle, any carried over or not. So it's one of these things that I'm going to believe it when we see it. Mm. Alan? Sorry, I'm busy typing something. Um, we've just <laughs> we've just had a an incredible offer in the Twitch uh, stream. I don't know if you've seen, um, and um, and we have thirty minutes to get some uh, some content sorted out. So I am currently writing it. What is this incredible offer? To, Can we hear this? Wa- did you want me to? Did you want me to talk about the Cobra? Okay, so the Cobra. My thoughts on the Cobra. Um, when it when it was said it was slightly slower, maybe a little bit less manoeuvrable, I was um, probably sticking with what I've got then because I already find the Cobra Three a little bit slow and a little bit unmanoeuvrable. Un- um, however, what Sandy was saying about uh, the turrets on the top, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, you know that 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 obviously might be a particular advantage in terms of a fight, and we know that it's particularly. You know, um, designed for for planetary landing, isn't it? And and it's one of those you know those um, kind of nice things that you know um, you know it's a reward. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll carry on typing. Don't worry, just just come to me every time. Just give me a prod; it'll be fine. I'll uh, I'll, I'll have something to say. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on from one Mark IV, we'll go to the next Mark IV, the Viper Mark IV. Now, first impressions of this thing, as it does look a bit nastier than the original, well, not the original, but the Viper Mark III. We know it's tougher, bigger, and stronger. It has a better power plant. It has a better FSD. Got a lower top speed and two hard points. So... Oh, this one does look as if... Is it going to be a vulture killer? That's what I really want to know. Chris. As <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you crashed so into I'm a again. Kinds of thing. No, no, no. So I've got the video playing. Um, the... Um, 
Um, yeah, no, I mean, my thoughts about the Viper Mark IV, I mean, really, it, the thing that I first thought when I looked at it, it kind of looks like the A-Wing from Star Wars. I mean, I know that, you know, because Alan was sort of saying that there's there's maybe a little bit of kind of, you know, reimagining mm. of ships and things. I, I like the yes. fact that this version of the, the, the Viper is, is very different. I think it does have quite a different aesthetic um, to the Viper because the, the Viper's always been traditionally based on that pyramid model from the original game, yes. triangular sort yeah. of shape. And this is very much a kind of winged snub nose fighter. And I think it looks, to me, it looks like a sort of love child of a, a Cylon Raider and a, a, an A-Wing from um, Star Wars. Um, for all that, I think it looks amazing. And I think it's the kind of... Um, it, it it looks like a really beefed up F sixty three. Yes, you know it looks like an F sixty three has been taken out of CQC and given enough weight and size uh, and power to actually kind of survive uh, in the in the universe. I can't get a feel for the size of it. My feeling is it's about the same sort of size as maybe a Sidewinder, maybe a little bit longer and a little bit nastier. Um, no, it's, it's, I'm, afra- I'm afraid to say that it's a, it's a bit bigger than a Sidewinder. If it's anything like the Mark III, then it, it, it's a bit bigger. Um, I, I must admit, I, the styling on it I really like, especially the spoilers. I don't know why I like the spoilers, but I do. So, <laughs> Ben, your opinion, please. I'm not a fan of the, the Viper as it currently stands anyway, so... I think the Mark IV does look better, but I'm much more into the more, more manoeuvrable ships. Mm-hmm. So a thing that flies fast in a straight line really doesn't do it for me. And the Mark IVs, it's not more of the same, but it's, it's more manoeuvrable and it looks awesome. But I'm not convinced it's one for me. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Alan, have you got a minute? <laughs> yep, yeah, I do. Uh, and certainly the Viper I have uh, a particular view on. Um, uh, yes, very nice. Um, variation on, obviously, from the three. To be honest, though, I love the Viper 2 and the Viper 1. And mm. where they've started talking about fighters and some of the stuff related to fighters uh, and, you know, and saying that fighters are going to be the only ships that you can carry in an Anaconda and you know, and other ships. I'd really like them to bring back the Viper 2, bring that, bring back the Viper 2 as a fighter, um, because that's kind of what it was designed for, you know, because then you'd have the Eagle, you'd have the uh, the Condor, and uh, and the Imperial fighter, and, and you'd have a, a Viper 2, you know. So, uh, you know, it's nice to, to look at a Viper 4, and, you know, I, I get the sort of the threat that everybody seems to, I, no, actually, to be honest, I don't see it as, it, it, you know, it is zippy and it is a threatening game, but I, I'm not sure that I, I get the wedge shape as being sort of threatening. I was thinking more of a bird of prey being, you know, more threatening, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. clawing over you, you know what I mean? But yeah, Viper 2, as Watch has just, um, Watch has just said in, in the Twitch chat, yeah, literally, uh, uh, a Viper 2 without a frame shift drive as a, um, you know, as a defense uh, unit for, um, for stations. For space stations yeah. and, and, you know, and, and chucking on anacondas. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it and ashamed to plug it, but that fits exactly how, you know, we envisaged it in um, Lave Revolution. So, you know, that's exactly what they were used for. They were, uh, they were put on the copperheads, the copperheads being the, um, the frigates that, uh, that went out into deep space and the Viper 2 was, uh, was on them. And they were called coffin rockets. 
which was the <laughs> nickname for them, because in the end, because they were so old, the Viper 2s, um, in the end, basically, they were considered to be one-man suicide ships. Uh, you know, still fast, still packed a punch, but they were outdated and outmoded. Hence so not- why we have the Viper 3. Yeah, so not the kind of ship you'd like to put in CQC, then? Uh, well, you know, I mean, it depends how Frontier, you know, do design if they wanted to you know to do it um i i love the idea of it, it dates back to a sort of a there was a german jet back in the uh, the 80s that was that was designed that, that was known as a flying coffin and i when i was writing revolution um you know I, I knew about that particular sort of thing and i thought let's because we know the viper 2 is not going to be in the game at that time, you know, we thought the Viper 2 is mm-hmm. not going to be in the game. Let's give it a really good reason as to why the Viper's been completely redesigned. Mm-hmm. Hence, Coffin Rocket and, you know, Suicide Ship and, you know, Two Outmoded and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. Um, but no, I'd, I'd, sorry if it's not talking about the Viper 4, but, you know, I like the Viper 2. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think that German fighter was ironically called the Starfighter. Yeah, I think, I think you, you might be right. It's the one, the sort of dagger one, the sort of yes. twice, it looked like a, a kind of twice. Tri- yeah, it had a massive teal on it, and I, rem- I remember yeah. doing, the, uh, doing uh, oh, I don't know, aircraft recognition on that when I was in the Air Cadets. But, ah. uh, yes, so, well, we'll move on from the, the Viper Mark IV to something which we were all confused about to begin with, the keelback. And I must admit, when I saw the keelback, I I will admit to being a little disappointed because it's a it was another it, it's a Type Six, but a, a Type Six variant. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's okay. I mean, you know, it's it's not bad. It it fulfills a role that actually I was trying to kit a Type Six out for. I kind of gave up on doing it because mm. I couldn't. I didn't have any hard points. I didn't have you know anything to put any guns on. But I was I was considering kitting a type six out as a as an explorer yes you know and, and using it as a deep deep sort of deep space explorer because you know it does give you more options for uh for, for particular things um we've been corrected on starfighter apparently it was american um thanks oh, yeah. for that jim sec um you're the man um i wouldn't know my planes couldn't, couldn't <laughs> claim to be any kind of expert but i i just remember something that you know when i was a kid um so yeah no to uh uh, in terms of the the keelback, it, you know, it, it's it's kind of it's nice that we're going to be able to do that with a what is essentially a freighter, you know, a converted freighter. But I, you know, if that's one of the thirty weapon, uh, thirty ships, I'm kind of little bit dis. Yes, you know what I mean. If it's yes, ship number exactly. thirty-one, if it's ship number thirty-one, no trouble at all. Great, you know, well done, guys. That's great. You know, you've actually you've solved a. A design issue um, that you know that players want to want to you know to play that way. Brilliant, well done. Um, if it's one of the thirty, mm, you know, kind of, it's a variant, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, giving I mean, just Frontier going... a benefit of a doubt here, I think Frontier have actually blown that thirty out the door because we've got our thirty ship. Well, we've got thirty-one ships in game now, and we know they've got a bunch more ships still planned. Awesome. Then, you know, um, so, I, the, the thing you have to remember is, of course, always, whenever I say anything like that, 
Um, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because a lot <laughs> of the time, my you know, I I have had playtime, and you know, and I I you know, I've been up and I've I've played a little bit of uh, uh, the game this week, but my experience is limited to the fact that I'm flying around in still the same Cobra I got from the beginning. And, um, you know, I can only see the ships that I can afford at a particular time. I've not gone out and browsed the shipyard so much. So um, if you're saying there's 31 already, then fantastic. Sorry, c- come ships, I, c- I should actually qualify that with not already. Okay. What, what do you mean? As in to come? So when when 1.5 is shipped, yeah. Yeah. then I think there's 31 playable ships in-game. But two of them, I think, are going to be a... Sorry, one of them, one of them is CQC only with the Fed Fighter. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a bunch of them are variants on ships rather than full yeah. new designs. This is, this, is, this is what I'm things. talking about. So, yeah, this, this is what I'm talking about then, isn't it? You know, essentially, it would yeah. be nice to have, you know, those, those sort of clear um, different ships... And then, then the variants being the additional, because then if the variants mm-hmm. are the additional, you're you're kind of it feels like a luxury. Do you know what I mean? It feels like you're over delivering. Then if you're calling the variants the thirty ships, it kind of doesn't feel like it's an over delivery. Well, so, yeah. well, that's what I'm saying. We've got thirty one at the moment, and we know that there are the other passenger ones at the very least to come. Yeah, sure. Well, going over the actual ship itself, we know it's it's still a trader. Uh, it's got more hard points. We've got uh, two medium ones. Uh, it's still quite manoeuvrable, and it's got better internals, armour, but less cargo. Uh, but it's still got its jump range. Now, if I remember rightly, in Alpha 2, or is it Alpha 4, um, the, the Type 6 was used as an explorer vessel by a lot of people to try and get around the place. Um, so, I mean, it, it does seem like it, it's gone and improved on the, on the Type 6, but... Uh, it's all down to what you want to use it for, I think. Chris? I think we've lo- have we lost Chris? He's shooting. He looks like he's shooting someone, so I think he's in the middle of a ah, dogfight. Right. Fair Based on what's then. on Switch. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we'll, we'll move on from what has been variants to, I think, the first original ship uh, that I think everybody in the chat room was really excited to see, and that was the Federal Corvette. Now, just quickly... Going over this, we know that it's got two huge, two small, two medium, and one large hard point. It's similar to the Alaconda, but slightly more streamlined and more maneuverable. They didn't reveal the ranking that you'd need in the Federal Navy to get one. It's not easy to land on planets. And Sandy suspects, but isn't sure, that the jump range would be similar to the Anaconda. And apparently it's got good shields. So, um, this seems to be uh, the big ship that any Federal player will want to have in the end. What did you think, Ben? Were you impressed by the big guns? I was very impressed by the big guns. I mean, uh, I'm usually fairly um, Imperial bias rather than Fed bias, but... I, I hate to say this, and I actually think I prefer the look of the Fed Corvette over the Imperial Cutter at the moment with the video that we've seen. Now, we'll obviously have to see that what it's like in-game, but I, I love the look of the Federal Corvette. I think it, it, it just shouts power. Oh, I'm looking forward to flying one, to trying one of those things out. 
even if I might not be able to land very far. What about you, Alan? Is this one is this one getting you enthused to start grinding credits? The the Corvette uh, probably never see it. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, ever, ever. You know, I might see one in the distance or, or when they blow me up. But, um, yeah, I can't see myself. I'll probably be, be a pensioner by the time I get anywhere near affording something like that. Um, I, I, I think with the biggest ships, I'm, I'm, I, I'm slightly disincentivized to want to play with them, specifically because the multi-crew and the multi-crew NPC options aren't in place yet. And Sandy talked about that, and he talked about you know their plans for that in Season 2. Um, I kind of want that to be there. It's one of the reasons why I'm not interested in grinding up to the Anaconda. Um, not that I have the time, but you know I'm, I'm not interested so much in it, because I actually want those things to be in place. And one of the nice things about not having as much playtime at the moment is, of course that ladder of ships is still very much open to me. You know, people who've gone past the Diamondback or gone past the, um, or gone to the Asp Explorer and so on and so forth, you know, um, the Asp Scouters is a nice, another step. You know, you know what I mean? It's still there for me in terms of a progression step. Yes. So, so, you know, for some people that, that, you know, I know when the Diamondback came out, there were a few people that said, oh, I've already got, already got something bigger or better, you know? Um, Specifically with the with the Corvette, yeah, and, and I I completely agree with what she's saying this in in the chat that it's nice to view a big ship from afar. Yeah, it's kind of it will add to the space opera, you know. So if you um, uh, if you launch out of hyperspace where you come out of super cruise and there's there's a, a a war going on and you're seeing Corvettes and and some of the bigger ships and so on in the middle of this war, it adds to the space opera. Certainly did with the Anaconda. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm excited in that regard, but not necessarily because I want to own one. Not yet. So, sorry, Chris, have you the, managed to... Yeah, what was, sorry, what was the question, Colin? <laughs> I got interdicted. <laughs> I was just by, about um, to ask whether or not you'd managed to escape, achieve escape velocity from that pirate you were fighting. Yeah, yeah, no, I got interdicted by a Viper with a couple of beam la- uh, to, uh, um, beam lasers and... Uh, uh, I, to be honest, I would have taken him, but um, security turned up and chased him off. And he, I couldn't catch him, he was too fast for me. Um, ah. But yeah, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> and what video well, we're, looking, we're, we're, we're discussing the, the Federal Corvette at the moment. Oh, okay, let me, let me get that up for you. Um, yeah, Federal Corvette. I mean, really, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a thing of beauty. You know, if nothing else, just because of... The size of it. I mean, you go back to that original video that we saw of uh, Illy, the old. Um, I just still can't remember the name of that video, but it was the big, the big capital ship battle video. And I think this oh, is the Damocles the, video. Damocles video. This has got to be the closest thing to owning a Damocles. I mean, it's not as big as a as a federal uh, battleship, um, but it looks like a federal battleship, um, only smaller. And I think if you if you want that feeling of kind of a ship that is rather than it being a kind of maneuverable dogfighty ship that it's something that can sit there and take a bit of punishment while it kind of pounds away at uh, attacking fighters with kind of turrets and, and other kinds of countermeasures i think this is you know this is the ship to fulfill that kind of fantasy um I mean, you can, you know, it's not a, it's not a standing on the bridge giving orders kind of ship. You can see it's still very much got a, a recognisable player cockpit. Um, 
but i think it's you know it's uh it's for a different kind of fighting this is uh, a ship for battles of attrition it's a ship for saying you know you can attack me but don't come alone kind of thing um i mean to, to give another sense of scale if i'm playing these videos out i did notice that frontier also had a video um showing an srv driving around a federal corvette on the ground um which is interesting because i think one of the things they said in the stream wasn't it was that the federal corvette is not easy to land um and I, I i i kind of want the landing of the federal corvette to be a bit like the moment in alien where the ship touches down on the planet's surface rather than it being this kind of nice very cool sci-fi skim down to surface that you're going to be taking kind of every meter at a time and just trying to make sure that your eventual drop on the soil is as gentle as it can possibly be uh yeah. but i mean look at it I mean, it's a beast yeah i mean you can just imagine how sphincter twitching it's going to be when a couple of players come out at you and one of those <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i'm not looking forward to, to getting interdicted by one particularly um mm -hmm. that said uh, I, there was some talk wasn't there on one of the q a's recently about the way interdiction works that i think a large ship interdicting a small ship is meant to be a, a bit of a disadvantage uh looking at this i'm i'm quite glad about that <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might just upgrade my thrusters at this point and just make a run for it Actually, I think, do your thrusters actually affect the interdiction? I don't think they do. No, no, I mean for getting away after you've been interdicted. Oh, yeah, good point. First, first, <laughs> thing, first thing I'll be doing is just running back to uh, jump distance. But, yes. I mean, you know, it's... it's you know, I, say it's for, I think it's for a different kind of... It's for a different kind of gameplay. Um, it might actually... I mean, for people who are able to grind up to affording a Federal Corvette, because there's this whole kind of, you know, debate over... Ongoing debate over player skill and um ship upgrades and you know whether or not if you're someone that doesn't feel confident in your gunfighting ability for cqc or not cqc but for pvp um then this is the kind of ship where if you've grinded your way up to a lot of credits and you can afford to kit this thing out it might not matter so much if you're not as good a pilot as long as you can manage your ship systems you might actually just be able to to kind of take on maybe someone who's a bit maybe a bit better of a gunfighter than you. Yeah, can you someone says in this? Twitch would be nice oh, to I... see battle fleets are matching. Can you imagine loads of people jumping into an instance with these and just pounding the hell out of each other? Oh well, I think we can do, we can speculate on that when we see the Empire's equivalent, which is, and I must admit, everybody in the Twitch stream really, really wanted to see this one: the Cutter. Okay, so is this an equivalent size to the um, yes. Corvette? Is it? it okay. Yes. Yeah. It looks it's similar smaller. to... Yeah. Well, they said that that is basically um, an optical illusion because yeah. um, Sandy said it was similar to the, the size in the Anaconda, but a bit taller. It's mm. faster than both the Anaconda and the Corvette. It has two medium, two large, and one huge, so not as, not as bigly armed or well-armed, rather, as a, as a Corvette. Not as manoeuvrable either, and is more multi-role. Now, my initial impression of this was, I must admit, a little bit disappointing. It looked very, very nice, but I remember the Imperial Trader from First Encounters and Frontier, and that had a third nacelle at the top. So it <laughs> oh, looked yeah, very, yeah. very liberator-like, and I loved that ship for it. So I was hoping that we, we might have a third nacelle on this one. 
But getting past that, I thought it looked very sleek. And, and as, as has already been pointed out in the, in the Twitch chat, very Mimbari-like. Yeah. So, um, what do you think to that one? Would you be scared if you saw that one coming after you, Chris? No, I definitely would. I, I was just going to make a comment, though, on the, on the comparative size. I think this goes right back to the very early days of seeing images from uh, Elite Dangerous in kind of alpha, and people were sort of talking about the scale of things not being clear. And there was someone at that time that made a really interesting post about how the reason the big ships look big is because they've got lots of little surface detail. That's one of the reasons, you know, the Coriolis stations look big is because they've got all these little lights and city things. It's interesting that mm-hmm. if this looks smaller than the the uh, federal corvette it's probably because its surfaces are quite featureless it's got very smooth lines uh very little uh objects you know kind of on here so it's yes it's going to look like a smaller ship um in perception but actually yeah in terms of the size of it uh, and the mass and the tonnage um you know you could well be right it might not be any smaller at all mm. um alan what do you think of this big imperial monster? Uh, hmm. It's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. I like the white colour. Mm. Um, it it looks a little bit. I've got, I've got a little bit of nineteen um, eighties uh, eagle comics about this, um, and there was a particular artist that oh, worked Dan on Dare. Starblazer. Yeah, that worked on Starblazer and mm. um, and quite a lot of. You know, uh, it, it wasn't the original artist that worked on the Eagle. It was one of the 1980s artists that was was part of uh, the team when uh, when you know when the Eagle came back, and and they he had this. I always knew because I have I have every 1980s Eagle comic. Oh, you much better than me then. <laughs> everyone, yeah, I've got a complete collection from 1982 all the way through to to when it folded, um, and. The thing was that when this particular artist came in, it was Ian something. When his when his work came in, you knew it was his work. You absolutely knew it was his work because he he just had this amazing way of you know of bringing the stuff to it, and he was the best. You know, in my view, he was the best uh, yeah, best comic book artist, and you you can see that within specifically within this ship. You've got the Z ninety nine kind of in this ship a little bit. The Z ninety nine was a little bit more. A little bit more like a mantis, or a you know, or a, uh, you know, had that sort of um, that face of a mantis a little bit, but um, the cutters more you know, sleeker. But you can certainly see that kind of artwork in in what's there. Um, I, yeah, it's very pretty. the The only thing is, of course, is that that kind of ship you look at and you expect it to be tearing across the galaxy, you know, and kind of be the Flash Gordon ship, the um, you know, Starship the, Ajax, so to speak. Yeah, or the you know the yeah the, the zany um, super cool hero ship, and it kind of isn't because its role in the game is to be the big imperial bruiser. Um, uh, you know, but that's fine. Aesthetic, it's the style, it's the the idea, and it would be interesting to see how it fits with the rest of the imperial fleet, how they all look together, because I think that's certainly. You know that's a very distinct aesthetic, isn't it? In terms of what's there. Now, can I, I just yeah? Can yeah, I just make a quick observation? And um, it it does seem to me that um, it seems that the individual ships on the imperial side seem to be slightly weaker than their federal counterparts, and that yeah. seems to have been a theme all the way through. I mean, yeah, uh, was that 
put in uh, from the beginning, or is it is it well, it's, uh, something it's, that's evolved? No, well, we we only really had concepts, so we had you know there was some elements that that we were given some some you know some content about, but um, I certainly didn't pick up a distinctive theme relating to that. Um, what I I mean that that's you know I mean that that might well work in terms of the way in which they're balancing it and the way in which the design you know the Adrian Newey kind of of um, of the elite dangerous universe is the you know Guttermeyer, um in terms of you know, obviously aerodynamics don't actually matter so much in space, but it's got to look pretty. Um, <laughs> the um, I, I think the key thing I wanted to say related to the large ships is that I'm still waiting for the industrial plant in space because as many people, you know, and, and this is, this is kind of ties in with the point about variants and ships, mm. the Alliance stuff, we yes. still want to see Alliance ships and the Alliance ships are supposed to be basically cobbled Hodge, together rubbish. Yeah. Hodgepodge. We want, exactly. We want the cobbled together rubbish. That's what we want. Um, it's fine that we've got a, you know, a, a, a functional design federation. We've got a um, style design in the Imperials. And we've got the, um, the sort of middle ground of, of your hauler and what have you, utilitarian ideas, you know, there. That's fine. I now want industrial plants in space. Okay. You know, that, that's, 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 yeah. you know, because it's, and there's a, there's a science fiction tradition in that isn't there there is there's if you think about all of the major science fiction films and all of the um the you know the 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 stories you know it's quite quite a lot of the stories i wouldn't say all of the science fiction stories the major science fiction films you've always got these kind of modded and cobbled together pieces of rubbish that suddenly you know have their day or what have you that's Mm. the kind of stuff we want The, the the stuff that looks like a nebulan bee the stuff that looks like, um, uh, well, you know, some of the, the crap that the, the Galactica used to have to haul around with. You know, we're looking for, for those kind of things now. And, you know, it'd be lovely to see Frontier just, you know, have a think about that, you know, and think about what are these long-range explorer vessels that the Alliance was supposed to have all those years ago? What do they look like? And, they, you know, they're cobbled together. Um, what are some of these, um, you know, sort of, independents who are trying to build their own fleets um what do they look like and if they turn some of their procedural generation tools onto that and thought about the ships as modular ideas chucked uh, a couple of those nice um uh, check digits in the end of when they do their procedural generation codes which they did for all their planets and everything to make sure the variations didn't didn't they are nuts if they did that with you know with a set of modular blocks related to ship design you'd get some awesome weirdness which would be very cool and then you'd have all these independents would have these really strange bits and pieces i i like that idea and i'd like to see them start thinking about that maybe that's a season three thing you know i just want to take that idea and actually it's it's a private theory of mine uh, i am Almost convinced that Frontier are deliberately avoiding the alliance for now. They, um, they, they said I, as much I, I, in the chat, didn't they? Well, if they did, I missed that. But you know, we know what the front, we know what the alliance were up to 
with uh, Frontier First Encounters, we know that they're a little bit pally with a certain alien threat in inverted commas. Can you imagine what they could do with their hodgepodgey buildiness and access to friendly aliens? Yes, well... <laughs> oh, squee. Um, I, I hate to pork that, but I really don't see that as... No. Uh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I I, I don't think that there's an, uh, you know, I, I I don't. I I think that we've gone for two very clear styles, and I think that's fine. And I think they're thinking about player function, and I think that's fine. And that's obviously the priorities related to their design. The thing is with the alliance idea, and and even the idea of that kind of procedurally generated box based ship dis- yeah ship construction. You would. Um, you couldn't really open that up to players. So what you're doing, you know, to start with is you're creating something that's almost NPC only, and you've only really got two or three ships that they've they've done that with. Um, I love you, Ben, but I'm afraid I don't see that much strategy in that connection. And that's not me. It's not me being nasty and and, and overly negative and critical. But you know, I I, I think that you know we can we can we can kind of talk the whole. Um, oh, Thargoids, I wonder what, you know, and, and so on. But, I, you know, I, I think they've got ideas there. I don't think that they're at a stage where they can connect all those dots in that kind of way. Because it's not, you know, from the evidence of how we've seen development so far, that's not really how they've managed their developments. They do, they do seed stuff. You know, you see, I mean, obviously what, what's been talked about today about materials and synthesis is, you know, towards the crafting and what have you. But I, I just don't see that happening, I'm afraid. I, don't, I, have to admit, I don't really see it happening either, but I can still dream. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I, I, I can understand where Ben is coming from with that. Um, I mean, are we allowed to give forward spoilers for the end of for Frontier First Encounters? Because it, uh, yeah, well, Spoilers yeah. for a game that's, what, 20-odd years old? Yeah, well, some people, some new people won't know about all all this kind of stuff. It might be fun for them to find out, but... Oh, what the heck. Well, let's just say that the player, your pilot at the end of Frontier First Encounters could fly uh, a Thargoid vessel. Uh, and, of course, that Thargoid vessel uh, was a, a reward for completing uh, something on behalf of the, um, uh, of, of the Alliance. Now, I do know that it does imply that there's a certain level of friendliness between the Thargoids and the Alliance, but um, if I remember rightly, hasn't that kind of gone away? Yeah, that's sort of been dialed back on a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> and I think the advantage of those missions being slightly broken and um, hand-coded, so there was you know, a certain amount of gymnastics you had to do with your copy of Frontier First Encounters to be able to get to those missions, um, that has allowed... The um, has allowed Frontier to dial back on it slightly. Ah, I right. think, that, okay. and I think that's probably a good thing. And I'm not, um, you know, I, I've no idea, you know, and I'll, I'll make this clear, you know, I, I'm not some sort of strange inside track. Um, the the thing is, is that um, one of the things about the Thargoids, and one of the reasons that you know the original Elite, um, there was the the switch from the original Elite to this, you know, mysterious race as opposed to, you mm. know. Um, cute furry 
felines everywhere and you know such and such insects and this and the other is you have the mystery of the encounter and the mystery of the of how humanity deals with an alien race that is entirely alien and it is and it is a you know it's a wonderful trope to explore and you know that does give a really good trope to explore and actually um elite went against that idea in its first sense frontier dialed back and you know and and kind of removed them so that they were you know so you you got used to your own game universe and then frontier first encounters reintroduced them but then there was a certain amount of solve on the end which kind of resolved the encounter as it were so i think by dialing back a little bit more to that mystery you know we're we're at the frontier stage at the moment yeah okay we're a hundred odd years on and we know the thuggoods have been around but we're at we're at that stage of you know the the, the sort of frontier moment. I.e., they're there, out there somewhere. Um, that's fine. And when they bring them in, you know, I I think that some of that specific solve that you had in first encounters, I think you'll see that that's not really, you know, I, I think the the many of the the legacy things would be there, but some of that solve because it it removes that mystery and it removes that opportunity for multiple players to engage, not just in their own systems, but also grouping together and fighting the Thargoids or grouping together and finding out about the Thargoids or grouping together and allying with the Thargoids or whatever, or any other races that they're choosing to bring in. You yeah. Know, funny that, you should mention that. <laughs> you know, that illusion needs to, needs to be there. And, and I think, I think it's a right choice. I am not really, um, a fan of retconning in any form, but this one, I, I think the dial back, the little bit of dial back from those hand coded missions, I think is probably the right choice. Right. Well, now that's not all that they discussed the ships in, in the stream. What they also touched on was the collectibles and the materials. Now this seems to be a precursor to the crafting system, but it's not crafting itself. And we have this new thing called synthetics, which allows you to take these materials. It's called synthesis. Synthesis, then. I don't know what it is with you tonight, dude. <laughs> uh, oh, I've gone, I've, gone through a, I've gone through one beer, so I'm I was, working. I was going to say, we prefer the term artificial people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, synthesis rather than synthetic. Synthesis. Synthe- uh, sy- no, it's me. So you can't even say it, it now. Yeah. <laughs> synthetics, obviously, being, you know. Uh, artificial people, uh, as Chris said. Um, the Ford virus is spreading to you all. You're all going to be mixing your words up by the end of, to- of, of today. Synthesis being a process, which is <laughs> you know what we're what we're looking at. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, synthesis. Happy now allows you to play with new stuff. It allows you to collect these uh, materials, and depending on what you can do with them, you could recharge auto repair modules. The thing that got the chat room really excited was munitions fabricators, uh, uh, fuel boosting for your frame shift drive, a whole load of that extra little bit of oomph that you can get just by crafting your own things. I mean, Alan, it's yeah. Uh, sorry if if I'm talking a lot. Um, I, obviously, I've been away so long that you know I'm, I'm desperate to hold the microphone. <laughs> um, the the interesting thing here that occurred to me when this was introduced was uh, you know and they talked about it was that 
this is a power-up system. And generally, certainly when CQC, you know, hit and, and people talked about the fact that CQC had a power-up system and you could fly through gates and get stuff, I kind of went, oh, God, arcadey. Oh, I don't like that kind of game. Oh. And actually, I quite like CQC. You know, I, I, mm. I have I've quite enjoyed it. You know, it's, it's kind of helped me get back in a little bit in terms of, you know, gameplay because it's quick. Um, but this is a power-up system that is entirely plausible in proposed and the way in which you discover the elements of it, which I thought was really clever. I thought, I thought that's, that's, you know, uh, that's, that's hunting down things, um, that have been procedurally generated. You know, it was interesting to hear that one question where someone said, will there be strange stuff on the other side of the galaxy? And Sandy's like, uh, cause he, he doesn't know cause it's, a, it's an algorithm. So, <laughs> so he doesn't know where anything is. So, you know, um, yeah, you know, the idea of a procedurally generated set of resources layered out on resources that you can then combo up in different ways, particularly if they expand it um, into, you know, a multitude of different, um, different, you know, sort of facets and they start thinking about how you can custom different things, how you might be able to, you know, uh, to, I don't know, short, short boosts or, or anything else, anything that anybody can think of that could customize relating to the way in which your ship works. And they said six, didn't they, at the moment, you know, I think mm-hmm. was the way. But, you know, later on you might go with lots of others, you know, sort of hot-rodding your ship in some way. Um, I think great. You know, I think that's great. I'd, I'd like to see it link up with the, the standard trade system as well. I mean, Sandy said it doesn't at the moment, fundamentally in terms of uh, the... Um, uh, no, you, you, keep, the you keep these materials even if you die. Yeah, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather see it linked into the standard trade system and, you know, and, and see a commodity. But then again, I guess you could... If, if there is an ability to... Um, to gift them or to remove them, put them down, you know, and so on and so forth. You might see a player economy, you know, mm. uh, essentially arrive in that, you know, sort of transfer of credits for, for something. But, well, you know, I mean, you, the more it, it replicates the idea of you being a starship commander out there in the middle of space, having all the options that you would have, the better. The less there are sort of game-based walls between some of those things, the better. Um, but, of course, that takes time, and they've got to bed this in and see how it works, you know, before they, de- before they couple it to, you know, to any of the other trade systems. Yeah, but it, it does give something for explorers to really do. They can, they can really capitalise on this. And, you know, it's nice that this explorer mechanic can be linked in and used to enhance your ship. Yeah, very much so. Mm. Uh, ben? I was just what about you? to say, actually, that I, th- I completely agree. I think this is going to be awesome for explorers. Um, one question that I saw asked in the chat that didn't make it out to Sandy, unfortunately, was, can this also repair your hull? So that would, you know, and certainly I know several commanders who maybe have a, a bit of a thing for running between neutron stars. <laughs> and taking hull damage. This is fine. It's it's all good, yeah. 
Um, but having the ability to repair your modules and potentially especially your hull or Commander Flossy your um, or your cargo hatch, then that's really going to help people out. Uh, Chris? Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I think what I kind of got from it, I mean, I have to confess um, a certain amount of frustration with this YouTube gaming uh, technology they're using. I was trying to look into why I was having so many problems with it, and I noticed that it was a kind of big thing they were pushing at E3, and I couldn't help mm-hmm. but wonder if Frontier had made some sort of deal with YouTube to use YouTube gaming rather than Twitch. Um because every time I try and watch the YouTube gaming on my phone, on it, it insists that you download a YouTube gaming app, which then promptly provides you with two seconds of audio and then goes silent and then seems to play video at 50% speed. So I'm a little bit frustrated with the unproven technology of YouTube gaming. Uh, once I eventually got on the PC and caught about the last 20 minutes of the stream, um, I, they were talking about the, the, the crafting thing. And, um, yeah, the impression I got from it, and I wasn't sure if this was wrong, that some of the things they were talking about, you know, we were talking about, like, giving little boosts to it. I, I kind of liked the idea of it as being a little short-term buff uh, in the same way that in, like, a, in like a role-playing game you might... Um, like, you know, quaff a potion that just kind of doubles your attack for like 30 seconds. And just, I, I, I like the idea of that in the munitions crafting that, that you might be able to kind of imbue your, your physical rounds with just something really nasty that for one particular reload just does like crazy amounts of damage. Like it's some sort of magnetic metal that just frazzles people's systems you know, temporarily or something like that. I kind of like the idea. I mean, like Alan said, the whole kind of driving through power-ups thing is maybe a bit arcadey, but actually, yeah, finding something out there and bolting it onto your weapons to give you, like, a temporary boost, I think actually is quite exciting. But it's kind of all about balance. I mean, you don't know how much adding something's going to break it. Um, But I think that, uh, yeah, just, you know, just hand... A bit like there's that Resident Evil movie where she loads a um, sawn-off shotgun just with loads of coins. <laughs> you just think, yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's a weapon designed for shredding. And I like that, the idea that you might be able to just load your Gatling cannons with just all kinds of rock and u- uranium and any kind of rubbish you found on a planet's surface and just make yourself, like, you know, one clip's worth of really dirty weaponry. Uh, it kind of I was, appeals to me. I was thinking of stealth. Um, you know, and, and heat signature, uh, you know, whether there was something uh, that you could do doing that. Do you, do you know what I mean? You know, um, whether, uh, I don't know, coating of of the, um, not just coating of the, the hull plating, uh, increasing um, sort of defense and what have you, uh, but something that allowed you to, to be less, you know, less scannable. Oh, I hate that word. Um, my grammar's a rubbish too. I've just been picked up in chat. Uh, <laughs> you're and your, yeah, I know. All right, you know. Uh, thank you, Nexus Reject. Um, as I said to Watchy earlier, if you're going to correct grammar in the chat, then um, I think you'd be there all day. But um, absolutely, you are completely right. Ten points for Gryffindor. <laughs> or if he's correcting grammar, shouldn't that be Slytherin, really? <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> well, we'll just quickly. I was, was going to say the... Hufflepuff, but I'm not sure if that makes me just way too much of a Harry Potter nerd. 
<laughs> they're, they're the academic ones, aren't they? I thought Slytherin probably more likely to try and buy fags. No, Hufflepuff are the duffers. Oh, are they? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I get on the wrong? Did I get on the wrong um, podcast? Are we, are we... <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> I, I, haven't even, oh. I haven't even started streaming chaos yet. <laughs> oh. There we go, right, Simon. Another two two fingers of your drink, please. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Two fingers to Simon. <laughs> yeah, two fingers to Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, yes. Um, well, we'll just quickly go over some of the questions that they they were uh, they asked Sandy. Um, there's a couple of interesting points that came out of there. When asked what's the largest ship that could be stored as a fighter, uh, they said something interesting, which seemed to break what is on the um, the description of the Anaconda, and said there are no plans for ships larger than fighters to be held inside the ships. So all of a sudden I thought, hang on a second, does that mean fighters in, as in the class of fighter, say like an eagle or a, a sidewinder, or does it actually mean something like the hunter or, or the falcon? Well, Sandy specifically said you won't be able to take a sidewinder in a ship, didn't he? I, 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 might, I must have missed those, those particular questions at the time, so... Yeah, no, he did. He did. Ben is Ben is completely right. Um, I thought that was interesting because um, I was classing the Sidewinder because of CQC. I was putting the Sidewinder in the same box as you know the other ships that are available in CQC. But I, I think they're essentially thinking of the uh, the Fed Fighter and the Imperial Fighter. I don't know if they're including the Eagle. Um, I'd hope they're including Eagle. But of course, as soon as you get to the Eagle, you, you've got a jump-capable ship. So is, does that mean you know, that um, uh, the jump-capable ships can go in there? Um, it's tricky. I, I mean, Sandy was quite clear that he, he did say not the Sidewinder. Maybe he was wrong. You know, maybe he, he didn't yeah. say that. You know, uh, maybe he said the wrong, wrong thing. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's It'd be interesting to see, won't it? Because um, they've got to have some ships work on it, otherwise it wouldn't be a feature. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, the, I think that's, that's what confused me a little bit, because they're, they're on, always on about the fact that um, you could fly another ship while uh, your ship, you, you get into a fighter-class ship in, from your, say, your Anaconda and fly that about. But then um, the Sidewinder was, I always, it says in the text of the Anaconda that it can hold up to a Sidewinder's size. Now, that's, that seems a bit strange, unless they are putting uh, the Falcon and the Hunter in the game itself as flyable ships. Now, I was under the, under the impression they were only going to stay in CQC. Yeah, I'm not I under guess. that impression at all. I think they're definitely coming, and I think that we will definitely get them as flyable ships that we can deploy from our larger ships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because the next question that was, we've got on the list here is sort of someone asking, can I carry an SRV inside a Sidewinder, inside an Anaconda, leave the Anaconda in orbit and land the Sidewinder with the SRV? The answer was no, <laughs> which kind of implies that the side, you know, the anything that's jump capable can't really be held inside something like the Anaconda. Well, do we know that the SRV will fit in the Sidewinder yet? 
Well, yeah, they said that an SRV can fit in any ship because it'll fit into a uh, one of the one of the slots, even okay. a, even a grade one. Okay, all right. So, I think that's beginning to point the way to say that. Well, it looks like we might be having fighters in our uh, our landing bays in the Anaconda, not sidewinders. Well, it, it gives another it gives another reason, certainly in terms of playstyle and grouping. It gives another reason to to fly different style ships, doesn't it? Because mm. um, the one problem with a non jump capable ship is that you're stuck. You know, you can have a lovely dogfight and everything else, but you're stuck. But if you wing up with people, then you have the opportunity to be able to go to the place that you want to go to, and you know, go all all um, Return of the Jedi on them when you get there. Um, the point being, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of space opera gameplay, you take the one on the left, I'll take the one on the right, you know, elite kind of does that anyway, but the ships are quite large, you know, um, but when we're getting down to the fighters, we're talking about very small, you know, sort of stuff. So, so yeah, maybe that, that, that sort of cooperative collaborative gameplay of deployment, you know, will work quite well. I mean, if you had a wing where, uh, you took two anacondas and four fighters. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's that's well, that's quite quite a nice hunting group, that isn't it? Yes, it's, it's something that you'd be you'd be scared of seeing as two anacondas coming out at you, and then all of a sudden you've got six contacts. Yeah, the the copperhead in, and I I hate to come back to this. I'm really sorry. I'm not trying to plug the book, but <laughs> but it, it is something that I did do. The Copperhead in Lave Revolution, the idea of the Copperhead was that um, during the during the the wars against the Thargoids in the, the thir- uh, 3200s and the, the 3100s, the Copperheads were sent out with Viper fighters in them, and they had launch bays for four Viper fighters. They had no cargo hold at all. They just had these exterior canisters on them that launched Viper fighters out. And so basically they, they were you know, long-range deployment frigates where you had a, a pack of Corvette, of of copperheads would turn up somewhere and then they just deploy the the vipers and i think you're seeing something fairly similar i i I, I possibly would like the anaconda to be able to deploy more than two fighters but i can understand why they might want to keep the player race you know to a particular thing if they're doing some testing on group battles yeah yeah so I mean, the other the other things that were touched on, uh, basically, will there be new weapons of 1.5, which was hopefully yes. Um, whether or not we will be able to store the loot we find, well, not to go into much details, things you can collect goes into this thing called personal storage, which is what I was on about before, where they, they, uh, apparently even if you die, your personal storage is saved. Um, passenger missions uh, will be... Well, the plan is to get passenger missions in play in season two at some point. I say, is no one playing a track drinking game with um, with passenger missions? We seem to get from that quite regularly. Yeah, uh, I, think, yeah. I, I think we should start start that one. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because we thought they were coming you know, with the orca, and then they didn't. No. Yeah. And, and the dolphins still, you know, yeah. sort of. Yeah, that's still missing. And then they and then they published this thing saying, for some weird reason, the orca is the least popular of all the ships in Elite Dangerous. Like, <laughs> there's no gameplay for it. Really? Like, you know, 
no, no. The, the reason the orca is not popular is mostly down to Mr. Wilcott because he managed to advertise the fact that it runs out of fuel. <laughs> okay. Has it, got, has it got a leak? Does it, does it kind of, you know, go everywhere with it? <laughs> this, was, this was before the fuel rats decided to, to come into existence, sir. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, think, I, think, I think we should do some spoof advertising for the Orca when we get some time, Chris. We should do, you know, uh, the luxury liner with a passenger of one. You, know? <laughs> you even get that amazing experience of handling all the controls yourself. <laughs> yeah, think, think, figure out for yourself what a multi-crew might do further down the line. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's, there's actually something quite interesting about multi-crew. Um, someone asked the question, will crewmates count as wing members or will the Will you be? Will wings be counted as ships of players? I.e., six players, two of which are you know, uh, each in two crew in each ship. To which they said, currently crew members will be wing members. So it sounds to me as if you can have a maximum of four crew on a ship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going to be interesting when they start start pulling that all together. Just as a last thought on the Orca. Um, Stephen Usher has just said Commander Jenner uses the Orca very effectively as a ramming ship. I, you know, um, I, 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 you know, if you like to keep your Orca pretty, then you know, to send John out with the the teacup to go and polish it afterwards. But, <laughs> so, what yeah. I want to know is though, for your for your crew on, <coughs> excuse me, for your crew on something like an Orca, if there's four of you, does that mean like one of you's the pilot, one of you's the engineer, one of you's guns? And one of you's taking like trays of biscuits around to the passengers. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the entertainment's manager. You should know. Yes, yeah, the fourth <laughs> crew member is putting on cabaret for the guest. It's like and tonight, <laughs> I think fresh in, from her appearance on Celebrity Big Brother. In, ter- in terms of their experimenting with roles, I, I do have to say, every time they say anything about multi-crew, I do sit there and think. Yeah, you played Artemis at LaveCon. <laughs> and you're all kind of going, how can we do something? You know, and and it's lovely, and you know, and I think that's great, and you know, and actually, I, I think they'll they'll come up with something incredible with this because I have every faith in, you know, the 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 brains that are in that room and that do that coding because Mike and and Sandy are awesome, and so are the others. Um, the but yeah, determining what crew roles do, what you know, what variation you can have, and doing it for a long-term game rather than maybe just a scenario game is a tricky biscuit. You know, really, really uh, difficult thing to to try and get right. And um, you know, they're going to take their time over it. It's cool. Um, it will be interesting to see how that that pans out. I think once you start walking around inside ships, and you have to have you know, security officers and stuff, then that crew role might change, mightn't it? You know, mm. you may need um, you may need something else. Yeah, well, just we'll just quickly crack through the rest of these. I think sort of um, is a quick one. If we have uh, room for it, will the will ships be able to store one more than one fighter? The answer was a quick yes. Will NPC wingmen be available to hire before season three? And we got a hopefully. I don't know whether or not that's any better than soon. Um, going back to your question about the Alliance, someone asked, when can we expect to get Alliance ranks and ships? To which Sandy said, don't know, but I do want it. 
So you know, so there does seem to be quite a lot of oh yes, we've we've still got to get to this bit. We need to get our first bit out of the way first before we can concentrate on other things. And then two very important questions came out. I thought the first one was: Does planet temperature affect ship heat levels? Which I thought was quite quite intelligent because if you say if you land your cobra on mercury surely you're going to have a, a heat affecting your ship's systems and then yeah. the other one and what about atmosphere affecting them you know you land on venus you get boiled and various other nastiness that venus has in its atmosphere mm. I, I, colin you left such a large pause there you, you ben and i just just sort of didn't we? We we left leapt off the cliff and then you We you jumped know. in there. <laughs> you jumped. <laughs> it, was, it was a long it was a long drop on the cliff, but we did kind of um yeah, I know I thought Ben Ryder uh, came up with a uh, I thought it was a, a very clever quip when someone asked that question about temperature and Sandy went, Oh, I dunno. Ben said, Oh no. Um delayed for another week while they have to implement <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was I thought was funny. Yeah, but the one that I think um, a lot of our listeners, especially if you're a Hutton trucker, will there be an option to select which star in multi-star systems to jump into? Now, Sandy doesn't know, but he says he wants it. Now, that, I'm afraid to say, will will disappoint so many of the masochists that do the Hutton run. It's It's not going to disappoint them. (laughs) It will. It'll take all the fun out of it, all that boredom. It's the desert bus crowd. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that never played desert bus, then, uh, yeah, go, go do, go do a run to Hutton Orbital. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe that the, uh, uh, the ship kind of leans or lists to the left in quite the same way. But, uh, um, and I don't, I don't think you get the same, um, you know, there is something of an achievement going to Hutton Orbital. Um, I don't think that there is a uh, uh, quite the same validation you get with Desert Bus when you get to the end and it gives you one point. I'm quite affectionate about the flight to Hutton Orbital now. I did before before Grant and, and other people sort of organised that, that, you know, got behind that community goal, I think I took one mission that took me to Hutton Orbital and I got frustrated that the length of the time the mission gave you wasn't long enough to fly to Hutton Orbital. And then um, ha- now I've kind of been been part of the whole kind of Hutton Orbital Truckers thing. I'm actually quite every now and again I sort of think, oh, shall I fly to Hutton? I quite fancy it. <laughs> I've got some radio to catch up on. <laughs> I think that's I think that's great. You know, I'm I'm not really poking you know sort of poking at that. I think it's great. I think that um, yeah, the the issue of flying to you know systems with multiple stars and having different jump locations. Uh, you know, I mean, there's two sides in that, yes, there is the gameplay element. There's also the fiction element. You know, wouldn't it be better, uh, particularly um, if you if you think of the expansion of it, not just going to different stars, but if you think of the expansion of it, if you had a system where you're trying to get into that system without being detected and you've got to go somewhere and photograph something or you've got to go somewhere and, you know, do something uh, covert, if you can enter that system at multiple jump points, that's going to make it easier for you to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, maybe there's an upgrade. Maybe there's a device in your ship that you can buy that allows you to then 
you know, recalculate your jump point to something slightly different. But what I, you know, if they, if they do that rather than going to different stars, then actually what you're doing is enhancing the gameplay a little bit more and you're not necessarily getting rid of the, the truck run. I'd like to take that and, again, expand upon it that, yeah, sure, you can take your advanced jump drive or whatever, and that'll let you jump wherever, but you have to have visited there yourself before. So if you're wanting to jump, for example, straight to Eden, you have to have actually gotten yourself to Eden in the old-fashioned way first before you can even think about jumping straight there. Are you thinking about something like, yeah, or, or or basically deploying portable nav buoys? Maybe something uh, like that. Sorry, um, boys. Well, just boys. Locking, did I, some, yeah. I suddenly you did go American. Up. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Why did I do that? Um, sorry. Yeah. I, mean, I would. I don't know if I'd do a nav nav boy, but I'd have some way of basically locking those spatial coordinates or whatever the heck into your system, and you've got really good. I have been here, I know exactly where this is in the galaxy, and I can get back here, however that is stored or whatever. Well, you could make that temporary as well. You could make it a certain amount of shots because, of course, you know, um, the relative, uh, yeah, the, maybe. with things moving. It changes, yeah. Yeah, it might change. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's lots of, of sort of bits and pieces around that, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just the, to sorry, just to pick up something that Stephen Usher has said. Um, again, he said um, uh, Sandy won, wants lots of things that still haven't appeared. He said in the, the yeah. Twitch chat. I, I think, and I, I, I'm not defending Sandy in relation to this because I think Sandy's a big enough boy to be able to defend himself. But the the one thing that you do note, and Michael Brooks has said this as well, that the development list is getting longer and longer because there's lots of likes and wants and ha- you know must haves. I think the one thing you do notice is that they're trying to implement as many things as they can. And you get a sense of that kind of honesty about this whole process, whereby when they are implementing them and when they haven't implemented them, they're actually then saying to you, yeah, we do that, but, you know, there's a long way to go and and, and we're not sure we're going to get there because, yeah, they're being very honest relating to that, um, uh, relating to that problem you, you you know what i mean they're, they're, they're yes. as much fans as us and you can kind of see that in the way in which uh, or you can hear it in the way in which it's talked about and i think actually that that kind of gives you a little bit of a okay you know um you know we're, we're happy to be there with you and we're really looking forward to when that comes in uh, you know it does it gives me that feeling um in terms of the way in which they they talk about implementing additional stuff i still think the the Orca is just ridiculous uh, in terms of the fact that it was put in the game and then we, we still don't have anything that it's, you know, d- despite the fact that the passenger missions were such a talked about thing, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I still think that's funny. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're making the decisions and we can only, you know, and then, okay, you know, what you decide, great. Okay, we'll, we'll support that. Yeah, I must admit, um, I think they've definitely learned their lessons from the uh, the old offline gate and a couple of other things that have happened, and and now they're they're being a lot more upfront. And I think they've learned the lesson that if something is going to be disappointing or um, everybody is is 
uh, there's going to be a delay in it. They're up front with it straight away and say, right, we know that you guys want this. We've got it in the to-do list, but we can't put it in yet because we're too busy doing um, the planetary lands and sort of the horizon yeah. stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a lot of the coalface elements of, you know, of, of the gritty and, and what have you of getting the game out, I think, you know, fair play to them in terms of, you know, what they're, they're doing. Um, I, I, I think there are things whereby ask for more help. I think there are people who could help them more in the community. Um, I think they still struggle. I don't, this isn't necessarily individuals. I think Frontier as a company still struggle a bit with trust at times. Um, you know, uh, I, I, as I say, I think that's not necessarily, um, you know, some of the people that we're, we're obviously discussing at the moment and are dealing with at the moment in relation to this. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I, fair play to them in terms of what they've, they've managed to achieve so far and how they're, they're managing to put it forward. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously, that the, the whole 1.5 thing wasn't the only big stream that we've had since Lave Radio was, was last broadcasting. We've had Mr. Breben himself on. And unfortunately, I think we're going to run out of time before we can go through this in great detail. Um, I think the, the highlights of, of most of those uh, things that Mr. Brabham was on about has been covered. There's a lot of stuff that we've gone over with the Lake and Six and the Keelback and and a lot of the um, SRVs. We, I think we've discussed quite a lot. But one of the things that uh, was dropped much to everybody's surprise, is someone asked whether there's non-Thargoid species out there, to which the answer was a definite yes. Now, that's a, that's a good bit of speculation right there. We always thought we, we, it was we, just... We know this un- is because, we know this because David Bowman is obsessed with hunting. Every time he talks about going on <laughs> planets, he talks about going and hunting big game. So, you know, there's going to be, there's obviously going to have to be big game in uh, atmospheric planets. Maybe that's why it's only airless planets first. Maybe that's another reason that they haven't got um, living creatures right yet. So they're they're sticking with vacuum, so that they don't have to uh, worry too much about um, badly animated six legged horses or something. Yeah, I mean, um, just just to quickly touch on it. I mean, the latest SRV footage with them assaulting the base and and them approaching, uh, driving round and through a base. I mean, and uh, that particular piece really got over the scale of the ships that were flying i mean that actually surprised me that the cobra and especially the the cobra is equivalent of flying a 747 and when you actually see the size of a corvette that's the size of an aircraft carrier did anyone else just suddenly get feel very very small when you saw how big these ships were I'm not totally sure about uh, those size comparisons. I think having seen the sort of size of the cockpit and the size of the seat in it, I think to say that a Cobra is the size of a 747 might be slightly underestimating the size of a 747. I could be wrong, though. No, no. There's a video that actually shows it. Yeah, you're quite right. It's not a 747. It's a lot bigger than a Tomcat, though. Oh, yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. And uh, a 747, I think that's about the size of an Asp. Yeah, I'm still trying to find this video for you. <laughs> I did play it on Sunday, <laughs> and now I can't find it. Where was it? SRV. Was it Horizons Inside the SRV, or was it... it first, oh! First SRV Combat. Was it part of that? Or was it part of the uh, something, it, 
Was yeah, I, th I think it was part of the David Q&A. Oh, uh, thanks but one of the my other YouTube thing is still at the place where I was looking at it the other day, so I can go straight <laughs> into it, which is handy. Now, one of the things that was always extremely interesting to hear was that it sounds like the guns that are protecting some of these bases, they, he says they're strong enough to take out corvettes. <laughs> Does that make anybody scared approaching one of these bases in future? Well, we know that they're capital ship guns, and it, they hurt. It won't, it won't make any difference to me because I'm never going to own a Corvette. So you know, <laughs> they're all. Everybody can take me out. You know, I'm 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 flying around in a Cobra. So you know, <laughs> uh, I guess I guess how fast they managed to, to take me out. Actually, no, almost everybody can take me out. Um, I believe one Colin Ford's never taken me out. So, you know. Oh, oh, you've, we've never yet met a CQC. <laughs> No, no, this is true, but we, we did meet an alpha, and I believe it's 2-0 to me. Actually, no, it was 4-1 to you. Oh, okay, all right then. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I don't want to have the nil. <laughs> I just don't want to have the nil. But, um, moving on from, from the... Uh, I mean, was there any, any thoughts on the, uh, the Q&A session? I mean, I thought so far that was probably the best Q&A session that Ed's done. So you've got to give him a round of applause for that. I mean... You mean the David Braben one or the Sandy one? The, the David Braben one, I thought. I mean, the no, Sandy one was good. He did a great good. job at it. Mm, yeah. Uh, I thought the way that the, it was actually really smoothly run, the questions came out, and it, it seemed nice and relaxed, and there wasn't, wasn't any angry... Angriness from the community. I think the best way to do it, to describe it, was. Um, so, moving on, we've only got ten minutes left. So we'll just quickly mention the other things that have been happening. Um, we had a meet the team with Adams Woods. Uh, I mean that was that was a, a, a nice quick read, and it's good to see that, that Adam is is still at the coal face and and uh, helping moving the project along in his own unique style. Um, nice comment about Crash. Um, FDev apparently didn't get back to him about the fundraising goal for his own bobblehead, to which Frontier Develop Developments have replied, Crash, we could have done, but I don't think we've been able to fit your head in any of the ships if you got one. So, <laughs> so anybody who's wanting a crash bobblehead, I'm afraid to say it looks like it's not going to happen. Unless, a, and uh, the <laughs> the um, fish that Sandy was wearing instead of his disappointing instead of a his his usual eye stripping shirts was known as a loach, a a bottom feeder fish. And that was on his, his shoulder for anybody who's interested in those kind of things. Um, as far as other things in the community, we've had uh, the Hutton truckers are now available for perusal on the community website. We've had an interview with the, the guys that, uh, that have started off the whole Hutton run, which we know Mr. Psycho Cow is one of them, along with uh, Dave Pearson and Mr. Mike Snoswell. Uh, and they presented um, uh, Frontier with the original Hutton mug in a glass case this week. Which was it? Was it true that it, it had a smashed code mug underneath? 
That is very true. <clears throat> ah, well, yes, that, that, that's good to know. <laughs> uh, in other news, uh, it seems Commander Katatab, or Captab, um, who was having brain surgery, is on his way for a good recovery, and that was nice to, to read about. Uh, and we've had the winner announced of the Name the Station competition, which was Obsidian Orbital. Now, there's been a little bit of grumpiness about this, but I, I think uh, the... Grumpiness? It, it be, from the elite grumpy. community. <laughs> surely, yes. surely, not, surely something has happened that nobody has complained about at all. Ooh, well, apparently it's immersion-breaking. Is it? Sigh. So isn't. <laughs> I, Get <what>? over it. <laughs> no. I, mean, I, think, I think it's fine, and to be honest, yeah. I think it's a well-deserved win, to be honest, in my um, humble opinion. I, well, you know, at the end of the day, um, let's, let's be grateful for the fact that we're talking about grumpiness, not flaming. <laughs> <laughs> generally, generally speaking, when, um, generally speaking, when, uh, when the elite when anybody is is a little bit critical or a little bit negative about something that's there, um, for the most part, they tend to be polite. Um, although I'm sure that several moderators of the forums could probably point me in the direction of stuff where they aren't. Um, but uh, at least yes. in this, you know, it's okay. Done. You know. Okay. Uh, and we've had a, a, a few questions. Well, of a few questions from uh, Commander Ariathoth. UK on the um, on Reddit. Um, I think we've actually covered some of these. Um, one of the things that he's, he's asking for is whether or not you should have your friends icon available in the system map. I th- think we covered something similar to this last week, where we were trying to work out, come up with ways where you could track friends or bounty hunting targets who are player characters or player ships, so to speak. Um, we've also had, uh, he was talking about the um, the fact that it seems that a lot of the new ships seem to be variants. I think we covered that quite <laughs> extensively tonight. Um, and there is one thing that uh, he did point out, and it said, having revealed that LaveCom takes about a month to go to conception to launch, uh, what do you think the reason is behind Frontier's decision to hold back some of the previous mooted ships. Dolphin, Baguna Liner, well, obviously uh, waiting for passengers, but he's a little confused about the Panther Clipper. Um, yeah, no, that is confusing, because we've had a lot of concept art related to it. Um, I, I think it's more a case that they're putting forward the ships that um, that push the factions, as it were, um, because I think the Panther... Yeah, because it's it's neutral, um, and also you know, what does it do that the anaconda doesn't do? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's uh, that's not me dissing the panther, by the way. I I want the panther <laughs> in the game, but um, the the point being is that um, you know, trying to find its role, I guess, is probably something that's there because we know they've already got the concept design. Um, as I'm as I'm watching Chris's Twitch stream, I've got somebody is trying. Uh, I think. To uh, to dock a sidewinder into an anaconda, uh, and, and then I think there is a. That's actually me, Alan. Okay, there's that's, an asp. That's me. To, there's an yeah. asp attempting to mate with them both. Yeah, um, some, somehow the, the asp the asp has just managed to fly through the hull of the anaconda. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, which I, I've not I seen know. before. 
No. Um, thankfully, I, thankfully, I caught it on video, so we can uh, we can hand it in as a bug report and say, "What was um, this?" To, yes. to go back to go back to Clipper. Uh, I mean, they they did talk about the Panther Clipper as um, a sort of being. It was wasn't it? it? Was a Panther LX or something? It was it was called, if I remember rightly. Um, and and it suggested that it, it actually had uh, initially it had lighter shields or lighter armor than some of the other um, ships of that size. If I remember rightly, this was a long time ago. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe that is still because you know I saw the Diamondback. Um, you know, the original ideas for the Diamondback were, were were quite a while ago before you know we got the the eventual version, which looks nothing like the original version. Um, the maybe there's still some some thinking around you know the specific parameters that the ship is fulfilling and and how it's going to work you know you you may well see it's a season 2 thing yeah i mean i was under the impression that they were they were filling out all the all the holes in the progression and then once they'd done that for season 2 then you'd start seeing more bigger ships like the panther clipper for people to move to agreed Okay, um, Ben and Chris, would you like to give the in-game uh, commanders a shout-out who have joined you outside Lave Station? <clears throat> I can certainly try. I think I've got my uh, my scanner is hopefully up to date, unless that Type 7 is a player that's just appeared to me. So, look, no, it's an NPC. Uh, so we are joined uh, outside Lave Station by Commander Windwipe, Commander Retmock, Commander Dissington, Commander Upperbottom, Commander Caretaker, Commander Jean Bellow, Commander Hawkus Alpha, Commander Edelweiss, and that's it. So apologies if I can't see you. And of course, you're Commander Thane. I am Commander Thane. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and just a little shout out for the Escape Velocity Patreon. If anybody would still like to support that, uh, that's at patreon.com <laughs> forward slash radio theatre workshop. Uh, and just to clarify, I am not patreon.com forward slash escape velocity or, or, or patreon.com forward slash Chris Jarvis. Those are different people. You are looking for patreon.com forward slash radio theatre workshop. Uh, and I look forward to anybody who would like to join us there. That'd be great. Okay. Well, um, I think I'm afraid to say I'm going to have to call it. So um, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Skype chat channel by adding Fuzzle 101 to your Skype contacts. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders normally hang out and chat on laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Lave Radio is recorded on a Tuesday evening at half eight and is streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. Thanks to Ben, thanks to Alan, and thanks to Chris, and thanks to those commanders who joined us outside Lave Station. And one so, more thing. Oh, and one more thing. Go on then. As what she has just said in the Twitch um, TV uh, yeah, channel, um, do remember the Chaos Reborn Kickstarter. Not that this is a Chaos Reborn podcast. It's a Lave what, Radio podcast. What you you mean? <laughs> we, we can't mention Chaos Reborn. No, yeah, no. Apparently, know. apparently, some people think that you know that 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 means we're about some kind of different game. 
Oh right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't, that's I don't, one, yeah, two, three, four so far. Any, any more? Um, I don't want to interrupt, but uh, yeah, the Castleman <laughs> Quick Starter. We have hit kind of what we're expecting to be the sort of mid, um, the the mid kind of project lull. Hopefully, that's what this is. Um, we are funded for one episode of Chaos Reborn. Uh, basically, for people who like Escape Velocity uh, and like what we do with it in terms of it being an elite. Uh, inspired audio drama we also have the chaos reborn audio drama which is similar sort of thing but based on a different game um we uh chaos reborn as someone said in twitch what is this chaos reborn Uh, it's a fantasy world where wizards fight each other with magic um for uh, i guess control of the shattered remains of the earth um it is a fantasy world with with everything you could want uh, it's got skeletons that move around it's got dwarves it's got dragons it's got <laughs> magical creatures uh and it's and it's incredible it's made by julian gollop who did the original ufo uh and it's an incredible game and um, we're hoping it's going to be an incredible audio drama as i say we are funded for one episode um but it would make it even more awesome if we could get up to our stretch goals uh, and get funded for two three or even four episodes uh so that's tinyurl.com uh, forward slash chaos audio uh, and there's a whole load of really cool stuff there and as i say if you like our work on escape velocity hopefully you'll really like what we do with chaos reborn and if you haven't played the game there are uh, Chaos Reborn related, Chaos Reborn, Chaos Reborn. No, sorry, uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to feed the drinking game. Um, there are Chaos Reborn <laughs> um, game licenses which are in, which are available as a a kind of double whammy bundle with the uh, with the audio itself. Uh, so do get over to that Kickstarter, tinyurl.com forward slash Chaos Audio, uh, and again, really appreciate your support for that. It uh, hopefully it's going to be a fantastic project, Chaos Reborn. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> On those final notes, and uh, let me just say this, um, we do wish to pass on our apologies to anybody who knows Simon who's probably died of alcoholic poisoning at this point. So, until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Two seconds, I'll be right back.